Well, did I tell you that in the restaurant in Rome four years ago, we were speaking half Mandarin, half English, which is always mixed. And this couple turned to us, English, older English couple, and said, I'm just fascinated by the way you use the mix of two languages so similarly and whatever. And like, where are you guys from? And whatever, saying, we're from Taiwan, we live in America, we're Americans. Immediately, the guy went for the punchline. What do you think about Trump? Huh? <laughs> Welcome to the AI Business Podcast. This is episode 19. We've made it and we're still doing weekly. That's an accomplishment of its own that we, we're still going weekly. At an incredible cost to ourselves. <laughs> we're all aging like very fast. And I'm Tian, the video producer of Informa Tech. And joining me as always, Sebastian Moss, the deputy editor of DCD. Hello. A- aged a month since you last heard me a week ago. Tired watching the world burn but i'm happy because we're doing a podcast so for anybody listening in the later time we're going to tuesday which is supposedly day two of the impeachment trial and for anybody who's listening in the further future this is the second impeachment of donald trump (laughs) (laughs) in case there's other impeachment later of course our global editor max molex Uh, hello hoping you're having a very warm time because i'm not did you remove the global from your global editor after you stopped traveling um no no somebody, <laughs> somebody must have done it for me what what, what have they You've removed been my global badge i mean which is fair because i don't think you're very global yeah when was the last time you wrote about liberia Dude, you've been to two countries <laughs> and they're all in europe yeah. <laughs> it's 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 all my genes dude i'm a mongrel seriously there's like a hundred nationalities fighting for, for 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 influence within me so uh yeah i am i am global in terms of how i was produced i'm a product of a global community you just look white yeah, so white. Listen, I would. This is not a joke. I would actually pay for your twenty three and Me. Can you guys do twenty three and Me in England? It's gonna be like a version of twenty three and Me when they copy. Also copy well, you can your do twenty three and Me, well. but I would not recommend it. But you can do it. Yeah, I know yeah, you. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm not doing it, and I talked my sister out of it. I just don't want to stop one of my relatives having the ability to be a murderer. Your great aunt. Don't, don't snitch <laughs> on your grandchildren. Absolutely, one hundred percent. How are we gonna segue into? Jigsaw. I, I can tell you. Okay, so the CEO and founder of 23andMe is the ex-wife of the previous founder of Google, uh, or the existing founder of Google, Sergey Brin. Is that a segue or is that too loose? <laughs> How can you be a previous founder? Oh, consi- existing founder, pre- previous, uh, more more hands-on executive, now just enjoying his billions. Jigsaw is very interesting to me we actually mentioned in the previous podcast before but none of us are sure when exactly and, and what time code all i know is we did mention it at, towards the end of the podcast so if you, if you can fi- if you can find it we'll give you a shout out on the podcast and we'll maybe get you on to talk about something you, you care about what is <laughs> one of your questions how about that how about that it's a puzzle uh, so to understand what jigsaw is we must go in the lovely time machine travel back to uh, a whole different era the State Department was going through that lovely fun phase where tech was this exciting, new, innocent thing. And they had this guy called Jared Cohen, who has no real tech background. His background was that he was young and that most of the other people in the State Department were not young. So he could explain technology to them. And he said, hey, I think social media might be good for revolutions. Arab Spring happens. He then uh, messaged Twitter and said, please don't do scheduled maintenance during this time period because we want Twitter to be used to help overthrow Iran. That might have broken some laws and was definitely against State Department regulations and the US government had to kind of formally walk that back. I don't know if that's an option. Is there a number that we can call? 
Are you State Department? You're not meant to because that's uh, meant that that was at the State Department openly meddling in the uh, election and governance process of another country. But anyway, so so he's at the State Department. Then in 2009, he goes on a little business trip to Iraq with a bunch of tech bros. So a bunch of tech companies decided to go on a State Department funded trip to Iraq to see how they could make money off of rebuilding Iraq, as we know, which worked out perfectly. Um, and there he bonded with uh, a man called Eric Schmidt, then CEO of Google. They bonded over the concept of uh, they're building, they were building all these t- tons of roads in Iraq as part of the concept of if they have stable roads, they can build you know uh, stable businesses and then more stable society can go. Yarrow Cohen and Eric Schmidt said, why don't we put fiber optic cables alongside the roads while we're digging them and bring it, uh, internet to these people? Therefore, we can shove Western ideals down their throat and also Google products. Eric Schmidt hired Jared Cohen and created a little business called Google Ideas. And they pitched this as a think slash do group. How about you take that inside a corporation, give them all the money and all the power of Google? So so the way to look at Jigsaw, especially in this early, the Eric Schmidt era, because it, it changed when, when Eric Schmidt moves out later, but is the idea that Google sees itself as the internet, right? And, and in many ways it is. More people have the internet, more people use Google, fewer people use the internet, fewer people use Google. You use the internet longer, you use Google longer. So equally, so so Google has a bunch of different teams that are, are expressly designed to look for, so zero-day hacks. And their idea is even if they find zero-day hacks in, in Microsoft or Amazon, any kind of vulnerability, it's in their interest to point it out because if people feel safer on the internet, they're more likely to in turn use Google. So Jigsaw is the same idea. Let's make the internet safer, but from a content moderation, from a journalist, from mm-hmm. all those kind of perspectives. So if you make the sure that the internet stays safe, but also stays safe in your image, Google will prosper. Um, 2016, however, was a very interesting year. So they they rebranded it as Jigsaw. Meanwhile, Eric Schmidt's power, he, he stepped down as a CEO uh, in 2011, he's now executive chairman, but he had to step down even more because he put all his backing into Hillary Clinton. He worked on the Hillary Clinton campaign. He tweeted out, well, a picture came out with him wearing a staff badge on the day of the election. That all backfires with Trump. Yeah. And big then, time. Big time. And then Trump's a little more uh, vindictive, I guess is the way to put it, than the average. Just a little more. Yeah. Just, yeah. He, he remembers his enemies. Suddenly, Eric Schmidt was no longer the person you wanted as the face of your company when talking to government officials mm-hmm. because you've got right. to have this president saying, wait, wait, this guy tried to stab me in the back. So Eric Schmidt goes away. Uh, Jigsaw has kind of just just been untethered, hasn't had a great time. In, in 2019, there was a lovely deep dive by Lorenzo Francisci Beceria of Motherboard who looked at how Jared Cohen has run this company terribly it's this division is is just broken up with internal strife and pain and suffering and people crying in stairwells and if you talk Mm. to hr they tell uh their bosses and say this guy tried to talk about how he's having a bad time (laughs) meanwhile jared khan was essentially playing with uh different tribes and just having fun with them and not running his business so it it's a bit untethered but they have recently uh announced a new milestone on their content moderation because despite being a toxic business themselves they want to clean up the toxicity of the internet 
Absolutely. So this week we have heard that Jigsaw now produces 500 million requests a day. So that's 500 times it's been asked, asked whether a comment, you know, like is toxic or offensive or it is not. And, and, and some of the users of the system include, for example, New York Times, Vox. Yes, 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 yes. So the big, the big online publishing empire. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Also a bunch of other people. So, so, um, the system called Perspective is actually open source, so it's not just you know Google responsible for it. It's a bunch of other developers. It has a very active uh, uh, GitHub. So, so the the thing with Perspective, which is one of Jigsaw's products, is the the idea is use AI to work out if a con- uh, comment on a website is you know trolling, toxic, whatever. It will it, it assign an internal score and then. The the website, be it New York Times or, or Vox, whoever can decide whether they just want the system to immediately just ban that and, and not delete it, or it can be more engaged with the user and say, we think that comment is bad, maybe rethink it, or it can just flag it and make it more likely for the human moderators to look look at it earlier. Uh, they claim that it's successful. They, they, they have some pretty decent stats on, on how it works. I think one of the problems is humans, as we've talked about previously, are very, very inventive. So if you tell an AI, don't, you know, censor everything that says the word, uh, you know, shit, then people would just spell it in various different ways or come up with wonderful uh, allegories for for shit. That's where most of our brain power yeah. is being used on the internet. So, so it has been successful in motivating people to rewrite the comments, but yeah, but nobody has looked at what percentage of the comments essentially mean the same thing, but are in a more flowery way. So we don't know that. It actually is working, and it's kind of helping. I guess with the question, the answer, the question becomes: Well, is actually um, helping the internet better, or is it just helping for the sake of helping? Is it just giving people, hey, you need to be careful with the words? We're not going to change human nature. We're just making internet a safer place. Is just make it look like it's better, but it actually might not be. Uh, here's the thing: Google also owns one of the largest websites in the world, one of the largest, most active, and most horrendously toxic uh, communities out there, and that's YouTube. Like, you know, if you ever spent any time on YouTube comment sections, you really re-question whether COVID should be more effective. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, we're going there, right? Yeah, and so I think it tells you something that perspective, Jigsaw perspective is not used by YouTube. They have their own right. in-house really? AI filters. They have their own mostly uh, contractor-based human moderators based in the Philippines or uh, Austin, Texas. So it's more intense, more, more intuitive? Well, the, the the difference is with YouTube affects the bottom line, you know, that they, they, they want to clean that up because it helps mm. them. Jigsaw being cleaned up, uh, cleaning the internet up makes things better in aggregate, but isn't so closely tied. But it still tells you something that they've failed so abysmally on YouTube. But yeah, it's an interesting system. Because, yeah, it's just it's a fully automated approach, but it can also work in combination with human moderators. But we're interested in the fully automated bit because it kind of contrasts with what, for example, Facebook is doing. So Google thinks all of these decisions are essentially programming decisions and they're handled by developers. Um, which, yeah. And, and, and meanwhile, Facebook has created the Facebook oversight board styled on the Supreme Court where they want people to take these to make these decisions. You know, you don't define anti-Semitism as, as, as part of, you know, like your, your programming package. You define it by taking 
taking it in, and on and into a public forum and by making some smart and highly and very well paid people debate what, what anti-semitism means and what could be the don't, reasons don't for that um, <laughs> subscribe to the ai business podcast for the next episode where we debate <laughs> what is anti-semitism <laughs> But 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 some some of the some of the first cases they have tackled they kind of included you know like cases of of racism or overt racism and 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 and, and you know like there's the, 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 some political and misinformation cases there uh, so yeah it's it's two com- completely contrasting uh, approaches one seems to be working this is uh, perspective and it's fully automated out of sight out of mind the New New York Times does it it must be good and another one is 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 yeah human driven where it's just like from Facebook oversight board to the to the lowly uh, lowly paid workers that actually uh, moderate this content and have to look at it uh, with their own eyes yeah I, I think I mean we've talked about in previous episodes that it is always going to be for for the long time it's going to be this hybrid it's going to be ai is going to get a lot of the low-hanging fruit obvious uh you know racism or hate speech it's going to get a lot of the publicity and press because it's sexy and it doesn't give people ptsd and then humans are going to have be doing the majority of the moderating and most of them will be people in you know poorer countries or poorer communities in america doing it and then you have this extra tier on top which like max will talk about which is these oversight boards where it's kind of bigwig Supreme Court, corporate Supreme Court, uh, to, to set some kind of base ground rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like those those Supreme Courts are, are also like a great exercise in publicity. So it remains to mm. be seen whether our organizations are going to launch their own moderation boards because, you know, like a policy defined by any number of people, by a committee with the, all members, you know, like publicly available and on the website is, is better than something that just emerges from corporate. But my, my favorite jigsaw thing is the redirect method. So, so I want to take you back to I think this was this was 2015, um, and I was studying uh, a terrorism course, t- t- terrorism studies, not to be a terrorist, but on the the history and and kind of psychology of disinformation and. Mm-hmm. Very very different. Yeah, <laughs> didn't teach me how to make a bomb. Taught me about radicalization uh, radicalization campaigns and stuff at St Andrews, and obviously for the the um, essays I was writing, I had to Google a hell of a lot of. Uh, radical preachers and, and ISIS members and, and terrorist members watch some of their YouTube videos you know read ISIS magazine Dabiq unfortunately you know when you do that Google thinks hey this person really is into uh, terrorism stuff so I got caught under the redirect method which at that point was not a public program and what what it essentially is was that every single YouTube video I watched for the next six to eight months or so had an unskippable, even with ad blocker, unskippable video on why I shouldn't join ISIS. And so what they started with, they started with in-house videos where it's kind of produced by them or the State Department or whoever that just like joining ISIS is a bad idea. But what they realized that more effective was to find other community videos by kind of de-radicalization speakers. Right, I was going to say, who are who are making these videos? That's going to be... So by the end, I was getting quite a lot of different videos, but they're they're not 15 second ads these are long videos and it was deeply... i thought you were gonna say like by the end they seriously considered joining, <laughs> joining isis it irritates me because uh, again it, it goes to the heart of these ai driven or, or at least program driven approaches where there was no one for me to go hey look here's this course i'm studying i can give you all the documents paper i can let you speak to my tutors i am just studying this um right. please stop yeah. thinking customer service number don't work yeah there's there's no customer service to say hey i'm not a terrorist <laughs> right um 
and and generally you don't even want to put that in an email because it puts you on another list right like even just saying these words on the podcast is going to be picked up by some dumb nsa uh, synthesizer and then put us on another list but I've, I've now just accepted that i'm on all the lists <laughs> you're on one of the lists for sure and that, that lasts for for how long for me, it was a good eight months or so of unskippable ads, and Oof. then and then it would be a bit more sporadic, and and then they just gave up. And they, but but at the end, you did understand that ISIS is bad, right? Just wanted... it took a while, yeah. <laughs> that that happened in twenty fifteen. Imagine what it is right now. Like the pandemic has dr- driven everybody crazy, and everybody's more extreme somehow. And you look at we have a person in the house who strongly believed that a Jew laser has created the California wildfire. Yeah. I don't know how she got there. And I, I was going to ask you, well, how's Jigsaw working now? And I guess the question answers itself. There's two ways of putting it. Either they're really good at their job, which is terrifying, or they're really bad at their job, which is hilarious. Um, and, and, and also if they're bad, like we do need a better content moderation system. It, at the moment, the number of people on the internet, the number of people willing to share on the internet is going up and up and up. Uh, the speed at which we consume stuff is going up and up and up. The willingness of large corporations to invest in proper moderation teams is going down and down and down. So we have to work out what, how, how do we solve that problem? No, no, but at, at the same time, we've seen the emergence of, 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 of hybrid warfare. And it's just like, you know, like very, very, so some states are very, very interested in weaponizing misinformation. So this this also happened. We, 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 we left that genie out of the bottle and this is never going to go away. One well, no one perspective too, where it supports English, Spanish, French, German, Italian, and Portuguese. No Mandarin yet. Language is such a evolving, ever changing thing. We speak differently just from on a day to day basis. Yeah. There's new language and new words being introduced on the internet. I'm constantly have to reeducate myself on what words people are using to keep up. That's just being cool. <laughs> So a long-time listener of this 19-episode uh, podcast is wondering, hey, how come we haven't mentioned uh, autonomous driving in a while? And I don't know how you get that question across, first of all, because <laughs> nobody writes to us ever. Um, <laughs> and you're in luck because we're debuting today. We're going to compile a bunch of self-driving stories together in the last, I guess, three or four months. It's been it's been quite a bit of new stories, and we're going to group them. We're going to discuss them in our new segment, Fast and Autonomous. <laughs> So Max, I've teed up for you. So fast and autonomous, what is going on in the sphere of self-driving? So um, this week we've heard from British Petroleum. British Petroleum, uh, you know, like one of the world's largest oil extractors, um, has just finished a Polluter trial. Of ocean. Um, that's why they technically pretend to not be British Petroleum. They they go by BP, lowercase. Trying to take the British out, of, the, the British out of B. They did it to look sort of like less intimidating. And uh, the, one of the world's largest oil companies, uh, they just concluded a test at a refinery plant in Germany, in Lingen. So they had a fully autonomous car equipped with sensors, cameras, all that stuff, control uh, systems, uh, driving around, essentially uh, patrolling 
the site. It has uh, sort of like, I think, 30 miles of, of roads, private roads. Uh, it, it, it has driven 180 kilometers on those roads while kind of like, uh, you know, like analyzing the site for, you know, like signs of possible damage or dam- tempering. So the main idea is security and safety. Security, because uh, sort of like, you know, like unexpected people on the side could mean trouble and safety because uh, this thing could def- detect, for example, you know, gas leaks or or, or, or fires, uh, stuff like that. Uh, they do have drivers doing this at the moment. So this is not something invented for a self-driving car. They actually have teams patrolling the site, right? And the idea that in the future, a car could do this uh, around the clock, fully autonomously, uh, you know, like, and it would actually be... Uh, more efficient in terms of gas consumption because uh, you know, like it can optimize things like braking and turning. So, so the the company they work with is called Oxbotica. Yes, yes, yes. They're an Oxford-based vendor of various uh, self-driving goodies and and yeah, uh, uh, lots of partnerships with uh, self-driving car manufacturers. Just like anything involving Oxford, they make sure to know, let you know, they're Oxford-based. <laughs> uh, and and so the thing to know about Lingen is it has thirty kilometers of roads. You know, oil refineries are big, and obviously you'd want to have a human on board at the moment because you don't want a car bumping into large pipes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it has an array of sensors, but they converted Range Rover Evoque, and it still has space for a driver. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 you 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 can drive this vehicle. But um, the the, the most interesting thing about the story is, uh, the trial has been successful, and they will now do this permanently. They will have a fleet of these self-driving cars stationed there permanently, and 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 that's it. It is it it has become a part of this industrial environment. Uh, so well, you know. I also find it funny that like. Name any other self-driving car company, and they're using electric cars, right? They're like, okay, we're self-driving; it's the future. We should, we should, you know, we want to look green, we want to look positive. Let's choose uh, electric cars, and then they've gone with a diesel car. <laughs> it's cheap. Yeah, this is a much more near-term, safer hmm. bet, which is closed environments where you can say, look, here are all the roads, here are all the things you are likely to see. Just go do that. Here's a guy on site whose job it is to make sure that nothing goes wrong, and and there's not going to be no pedestrians that you have to worry about tax liability if it kills one of them. Only employees who you've already made sign tons of things. Yes, 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 and they don't manufacture their own cars, so they can do it on a budget. Mm. So Exbotica uh, recently closed a Series B round that was just forty-seven million. Forty-seven million. You know that's nothing for a self-driving car company, and yet they have products. Yeah, because because it's just a lot easier to aim for. Uh, closed environments. I mean, you've got a similar thing in China. You've got UC, mm-hmm. and they recently raised, uh, you know, essentially 150 million. Some of it from from the Ministry of Finance, to be fair, from the Chinese government, because they like to fund their own research. And they, again, it's self-driving things on closed environments. They have a, a, a partnership with the Hong Kong airport. Got a partnership with a bunch of different factories and, and other the companies. BASF. Yeah, the, BASF. again, the German chemical. Uh manufacturer vendor yeah and um, it, it it's it's a step up from you know you, you have a lot of motorized robotics in factories at the moment where they create a line that looks just like someone's put yellow duct tape on the floor and it just looks at that yellow duct tape line and it follows that yellow duct tape line has a little infrared sensor in the front so if someone jumps in front of it like an irobot um vacuum cleaner mm-hmm. it stops that that's about it this is a step up above that. Is this similar to what Jaguar Land Rover is doing in in a smart city in Ireland, the in Shannon, Ireland, because they built they're building a smart city hub, potentially testing self driving cars. Well, I, I think that the Jaguar stuff and and when it's a 
the, there's the two types of closed environments. There's closed environment as an end to itself, and that's what the BP and the UC things are, which is just we sell it to these guys, so they have a closed environment, it works. Whereas what okay. you see with uh, Jaguar, what you see with Apple did with their kind of uh, on and off again self-driving divisions is you create a little fake city and you just to study so that you don't kill someone like Uber does. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's primarily research. Well, this is this is this is already this is implementation. Another thing uh, about Oxbotica's approach, which which industrial companies will find very very interesting, it does not rely at, on GPS or third party mapping or anything like that. So all of the infrastructure is on the site. Like literally, you know, like if if if, if everything else goes down, <laughs> your self driving stuff is still operating. You've got various approaches to self driving. Um, you've got got this, which is the idea of you know enterprise based closed platform. But then when we're talking about public self-driving cars, the, the two main views are, do you do it incrementally, which is what the, a lot of the car companies are doing. It's just add slightly more and more autonomous features to cars and it builds data or it builds learning. They get better at it. And eventually one day they say, hey, you know what? It's a self-driving car. The Waymo approach, the cruise approach is, no, no, we aim for nearly fully everything out of the box. And, and we just aim for that and we ship it when it can do that. Uh, and then in the middle is the Tesla approach, which is pretend to do the first, uh, the the latter one, and actually do the first one. The last time we talked about it, which I believe it was Cavenue. We the last time we yeah, talked Cavanew. about it was mentioned Cavenue and Google, um, and because that's when Max had the epiphany that it's not self-driving car might not be what we think it is, which nothing is. You know, we always think that it's going to be awesome and great. We just jump on any car and it's going to take us to where we want to go. But apparently it's actually more for commercial use. Oh, all right, fine. Fine. It's not going to be for me. Fine. It's going to be that portion of the road. Fine. It's going to be commercial use. I'm just like, where are we going with this? And it's it just, every time I look at, as we group a bunch of stories together, you feel like everybody's trying to do their own thing. Is this segment just going to be us watching a bunch of companies trying their best and do their own things and everybody find their own sponsor and get their own money and trying to do this in that city and that city and we'll we'll never see it fully realize its potential until 20 years from now or are we gonna at some point see us actually getting closer to uh i guess as far as the end user like how would i how, when would i feel the benefit i mean it's 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 fascinating because we wanted these two topics to be completely different topics right jigsaw and self-driving cars but they both are fundamentally the same thing which is humans are deeply unpredictable right so you can't create a set of rules that can stop someone commenting something terrible and you can't create a set of rules that is going to stop a drunk man running around with with a you know a cone on his head and an axe in his hand trying to attack your car at three in the morning right so it, it, it's all about how how much is good enough um with with content moderation you mess up a few terrible comments get through yeah you you stop a few comments that are perfectly fine yeah uh self-driving cars you mess up and as again we saw with uber you got a dead person right maybe lots of lots of dead people we, we still haven't had you know a really terrible tragedy so obviously it was a horrible person died but we haven't had you know several children killed we haven't had anywhere near that. I'm, I'm like, not yeah, yeah. saying the, 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 the not... murdering potential of the self-driving vehicle has not been realized. Yeah, like, we don't know what the appetite... Because that's going to happen. Even and, and the argument that, hey, with the number of miles driven, if it had been humans, it would have killed 10 times as many people, which it could be true by the time it happens, isn't a great argument to make to grieving relatives. So we we haven't really experienced what's going to happen when when that inevitably uh, occurs. 
Um, but prior to that, it's just going to be lots of companies announcing very cool sounding trials uh, and lots and lots of money's go money going to it. The, the other big uh, announcement of the you know kind of past few weeks was Microsoft putting two billion into Cruise, which is GM's uh, self-driving initiative, um, and and that's one of the bigger ones because we've got the 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 Oxford-based companies, we've got the tiny companies. And they're doing these more limited trials and then we've got the big guys like waymo and cruise um and the interesting thing with that is most of their work is actually virtual you know uh waymo has carcraft which is just a virtual world where they drive their cars over hundreds of fake miles and cruise is its own thing that is now going to happen on microsoft azure yeah yeah and nvidia offers sort of like uh its own kind of a virtual environment to anyone who's going to buy it so Yes, but um, it, we're not qualified to give investment advice, but if, if we were qualified to give investment advice, I would say that the nearest term thing is absolutely industrial, followed by something like, you know, like uh, platooned trucks and, 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 and separate roads, because I think separate roads are going to work in some places and not the others, right? And, and lots um, of driver assist type stuff. Lots, oh, absolutely. Driver assist is standard for, for, for the next few yeah. years and, 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 and actual self-driving. Yeah, well, we're looking at five, 10 years maybe. Well, and the, but yeah, if you're uh, an investor... Well, and, and then Tesla doing its own terrifying thing without even using LiDAR. And, uh, you know, if you're driving along the road and there's a Tesla driving near you, just just be aware, be careful, be cautious. Make sure the guy's hands are on the wheel. He's not asleep. If you make it this far, thank you for listening. And we are actually doing okay. Like, you know, this is 19 episode and... We're going weekly and it's a lot busier for all of us, but it's a lot of fun and the engagement has gone up. So thank you for our listeners who stuck with us over the thick and the thin. And if you want to talk to us, you can find me. I'm going first this time. How about that? The coup has happened. You're always first. Oh yeah. no. I'm on LinkedIn at Tian Chifu, T-I-E-N-C-H-I-F. You wish some of you have, Ashley. Uh, Max at airbusiness.com. That's it. That's 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 it. It's very simple. It's 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 elegant in its in its brevity. Uh, so yeah. Sebastian, don't email me. No, you can get me on Twitter. I get no. I get four hundred fifty emails a day, and I'm not responding to most of them. Um, but you can get me on Twitter at Sebmos, where I will rant about those emails and why most of them are going in the bin. <laughs> <laughs>